Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 79. It is the last week of August 2020 Wrapping up what is two-thirds of the year 2021, um, and good for us. Um, let's get to it. What happened this week? Uh, oh, this is big. The FDA gave approval to the jab. So what that means is the mandates are coming. Uh, never mind that the earliest an FDA approval could be made legally by their own standards is somewhere in 2025. What was being told was they knew there were kickbacks from people who were using the valid excuse of the VAX is not FDA approved. And so they said, oh yeah, well it is now. So great. Um, we should all be so lucky to get to hand down proclamations without any data to back it up. We should all be so lucky. Um, you know, and if you don't want to get the shot, have no fear. Let's say your employer is mandating that you get the shot. Don't worry about it. Here is a list of the few places that you can apply for work and that are not mandating the jab. One, the White House. No mandates there. You do not have to have the jab to work in the White House. Two, the Center for Disease Control. No need for a jab to work there. Three, the FDA. Four, the World Health Organization. No need to get the jab to work at any of those places. So if your employer comes down and says, hey, I need you to get it, don't worry. Tell them you can work at those four places. No big deal. This makes, of course, no sense at all and it is high time that there started being some reasonable discussion on where exactly this virus is at, what impact it's having on healthy people, and how we move forward as a world. 
To this point, every conversation is tilted with facts derived by someone trying to get paid. And those people are doing it at the peril of small business owners and for people simply trying to live their lives and enjoy their hobbies. Um, we have some real life ash experiments going on right now. They're being used upon us and it is amazing. Do not take my word for it though, look it up. The ash experiments, A-S-C-H, you'll lose your mind. Anyway, um, I got some feedback last week a little bit and I thought it was kind of funny so I'm going to share it to you. It was essentially Rex stop with the political rants and conspiracy theories. Um and that correlates pretty well with what I just said. So I'm going to say this. When people stop conspiring, I'll stop discussing conspiracies. How about that? Um so it's on them. I'm simply the mirror. Um if those trying to grift just stopped grifting, then I don't have to tell them they're grifters, right? Um, so that's on you, my friend. I do what I do, which is simply see reality on reality's terms. And if digging into the real reasons why certain things are being sold to us wholesale to the masses is a conspiracy theory, and especially to drag racers, um, or more to the point to the normies that don't get drag racing so they can kind of group up on us, um, you know, so they may need something to hate us with, then I would suggest that you simply haven't hung around long enough to see the truth come to light. Um, do not get it twisted, though, in this scenario. I am not a Republican uh, or slash a Democrat hater. I clearly am a, am a libertarian. I've been for 20 plus years and I am a dude who hates hypocrisy. If you say you like red hats, but all you do is wear blue hats, you are a hypocrite. That's all. Um, and I just hate hypocrites. And so, which makes most politicians pretty easy targets. And that's why I just see, I see a lot of hypocrisy going on right now and it bugs me. Uh, the world is changing very, very quickly, very quickly. Um, and it's astonishing. Producer Chris and I had this conversation earlier this week. The world is changing very quickly what skills you need to survive and or thrive in this world are changing very quickly and um, it's fascinating it is truly fascinating um, all right end of that i also got some really great feedback this week from uh, parker theobald and um, you know about the equivalent of the major league baseball field of dreams game in the cornfield out in iowa um, we talked about that last week but there's more i will follow up a little bit more on that later in the show so hang tight on that um that said guys girls i'm excited to have a guest on this week fast freddie perkins man what a name for drag racer i love it he was awesome so let's do it get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show make your commute clean the shop work on the old heap but metaphorically speaking Get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. So, how come you don't stick to a wheel? Uh, after two championships and seven straight wins, you were fired. I lost my ride. Got a man, I quit regardless. Why is that? 
Wasn't going anywhere. Where do you want to go? Indianapolis. Pretty much what everybody is saying right about this time of year. Even my man, Cole Trickle, knows Indianapolis is different. And we're getting so close. We're getting so close to the big go. We're getting so close to the U.S. Nationals. And I realize that there are several divisional events happening this weekend. But it is all in preparation for the U.S. Nationals over Labor Day weekend in Indianapolis on the west side. Everyone right now is doing their best Harry Hog and talking to their car like it's the Bride of Frankenstein, giving it an extra big oil pan, looking for 30 to 40 more horsepower, and everyone is going to be putting on a special set of matched tires just for this event. It's special. It just is. It's the biggest and baddest drag race on the planet, even with a somewhat shortened schedule. And that makes it important. That's why guys who have lost their ride in other events do whatever it takes to make it to Indy. Um, And guys, girls, for that reason... I'm working on something different for Indy and next week's show. Um, Something that likely includes video. Um, It likely includes a little more action than what we're used to just based on the podcast. And um, I'm excited about it. I don't have all the details for you right now. But starting next week on Monday, watch the Facebook page for the Fast Brackets podcast watch the Twitter page, and I will keep you up to date with the latest and greatest. It's going to be fun. It is not going to be a live event like uh, we've had in the past. It'll be somewhat different, but it should be interactive. And hopefully everyone who listens to the show from across the world, but it isn't at Indy, can interact. And I'm excited about that. Um, so there's lots to be excited for in terms of all that is the big go, all that is NHRA, the U.S. Nationals. Um, and, you know, if you get it done, if you're a Dusty Meyer, if you're a Rusty Baxter, if you are one of those guys that gets it done at Indy, then, you know, you get to haul that special, special Wally Parks trophy back home. And then if you're lucky... Harry and the boys might play a trick on you and have the hottest state trooper ever born pull you over and search you for weapons. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. On with us now. He's a habitual number one qualifier out of Division One in Top Dragster and top sportsman. He's a three-time World Street National Door Slammer champ. He's a multi-time divisional champ from Plainfield, Connecticut. Welcome to the show, Fast Freddie Perkins. What is up, my man? What's going on, Rex? How are you today, sir? I'm, I'm good, but nobody calls me Fast Rex, so I am not as good as you. <laughs> you Let's... Let's right from the gate, man. I mean, even on the qualifying sheets, it says Fast Freddie Perkins, which is unbelievable. 
I guess it's uh, I guess everybody knows me as that because it's synonymous as uh, as who I am. I guess that's what everybody tells me. Yeah, that that is great. How obviously, um, Freddie? How when did people start calling you Fast Freddie? Was that like an elementary school thing, or when did that kind of take hold? Geez, uh, it's been quite a while. Um, my whole life, I've been you know high, strong, and the need for speed, and always on the go. So everybody's it just kind of stuck. Fast Freddie. I don't know who gave it to me years ago, and it's. It's been with me for probably over 30 years. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, the first time I remember looking at the qualifying sheet going, is this, is this for real? This is a legal name, Fast Freddy, but uh, uh, very, very cool. Very, very cool. All right, let's 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 get away from that just for a minute and kind of uh, go back. You said you've always been fast, always been kind of uh, on the edge when did you dip your toe into drag racing? When did when did that scratch that itch? Um, I made my first pass at 17 years old in a 1972 Novo to straight six and went 18 seconds, and I was bit from day one. Love it. And then I got into motorcycles because uh, that was the uh, the easier, cheaper way to, to go fast. And I was uh, racing a VMAX with a chain drive and nitrous oxide back in oh god, it's got to be. 91, 92, and I went uh, 950 to 144 on a street bike. And then uh, I said, I want to go fast. So I started getting into the cars, and then I started top sportsman racing. And basically 10 years ago, this is my 10th year in top sportsman. Okay. All right, let's, let's uh, talk about your top sportsman ride. Is, did you, have you had this same vehicle for the last 10 years? Um, well, I started out, and everybody knows me as uh, – the, the heavy Chevy. I got a 69 Nova slammed on the ground, a little bit off the ground here with a big block nitrous. Uh, car's been 740s at 184. And uh problem is I couldn't qualify once or twice. So a couple years after that, I purchased the badass Garrett 57 Chevy that I have that's got a big 791 in it with a couple stages of nitrous. And uh, Ever since then, I've you know been going pretty fast with it and uh, been able to qualify. So I use either one of those door cars depending on what race I go to. Gotcha. So you you mentioned it's a '57 Chevy, um, big cubic inch, lots of nitrous. Um, talk us through um, who builds that engine and and transmission and how that's all set up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a car. Believe it or not, it's 16 years old. If anybody's seen pictures of it, it's it's breathtaking. Uh, Garrett Race Cars built it. Garrett Livingston mm-hmm. for Lee Atkins back in the day. And then uh, I ended up acquiring it from a guy in Spokane, Washington, and had it shipped here and kind of put my spin on it. Um, Cliff at ANC Performance up in Canaan, Connecticut, does my motors. I have two motors for it, a 791 and a 798. Both of them make uh, an excess of 1,500 plus. And then I have uh, – oh, they got four stages of nitrous on the intakes, but I'm only pumped for two because really it's a bracket race how fast you need to go, you know. Sure. And uh, – a good friend of mine who's just turned 80, uh, Henry Heward, does my transmissions. Um, he's at the track with me most of the times and just a super nice guy. And uh, we've been, in this car, we've been 992, 60 foot, and we've been 425 at a buck 67, a buck 68 um, in this car. But it usually runs quarter mile stuff, and we usually run in the 70s and 60s, depending on the air. So it's, uh, it's pretty stout for a 2,550 pound piece. Right. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that that is. Um... Yeah, and that's right where the sweet spot, right? It seems like well, you're going to qualify everywhere in that 670 range, um, and at least to this point, um, that that hasn't moved it. I mean, there for a while, um, 
think you know a year or a half two years ago boy it was getting to the point where that was that was gonna make you nervous sometimes showing up at 670 now you had the extra kits but uh that that'll get you in everywhere now and and uh and right in the sweet spot right yeah you know division one's a little softer than like division three and all that kind of stuff so it's you know i usually qualify in the top i would say top five six um uh, top eight let's call it for yeah. division one but i also like you said i had that second stage if i needed it which is a 500 shot on the button so if i needed to i could move around a little bit if that uh, needed to be done yeah now on the top dragster side though it's a little different you are continually either um, in that top spot or right next to it. Um, talk to us a little bit about that dragster, when you pick that up and what that's all about for you. Yeah, I, I never even drove a dragster to this missile. Uh, I just said one day I want to go real fast, and uh, I had purchased it in 16, but I was in a motorcycle accident, so I couldn't use it until 17. First pass, I didn't even know how to do a burnout in a dragster. And uh, first pass, I go to button, and it went 650. And I said, holy cow, I thought I was, you know, that's the thing in the world. And needless to say, 650 to now, I uh, I just qualified number one this weekend because we had a guy that used to qualify number one all the time, but I kind of take that away from him quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the weather was kind of iffy, and it was, you know, those things don't like humidity, so I put that, that bell on the front of that Pro Charger, which makes, like, uh, it's magic. I don't know. It's really unbelievable what that thing does. Pro Charger gave me one as, like, a sponsored deal, and... Uh, I lifted, uh, I think, I want to say I lifted about 950 feet because I didn't want to break out that stupid 610 rule that they got now. Right. And uh, I lifted 950, and I still want a 622 at like 185 or something stupid. So you were, you were lifting at 950 feet? Is that what you just said? Yeah, I lifted at 950 on the race pack, and I went at 622. So then I, had, I got passed by another guy in our division. So I said, that's not going to happen. I saw what he ran first and the second qualifier because we only got two because of the weather. Right. So I pushed it to about 100 feet that time, and I went 617 at 200 lift in a couple hundred feet early. Right. You're like, no, no, no. That that number one spot is specifically rever- reserved for me, sir. Um, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, it didn't. there was no buy run, but there was supposed to be a buy run, but then they had extra people register, or not register, but qualify. So it really didn't mean a lot. It's just to have your name up top. It's kind of a uh, prestigious thing considering that, just like I said, it's only my, I think, third or fourth year driving a dragster. So it's uh, right. that car's been, you know, before this 610 index rule, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I understand why they have it, but it should be a little bit different. But, that's, you know, I'm, I'm nobody in NHRA's eyes. Um, I've been 590s in this car at 231 miles an hour. So, uh, yeah, let's. If NHRA, you're listening, you never heard that. Um, but uh, no, yeah. no, well, they were there when I. <laughs> that was before the rule, so it's, it's okay. okay. And they kind of gave me a slap on the hand and said, uh, "What are you doing?" I said, "I don't know," but that was fast as heck. <laughs> right. Uh, that's awesome. And so, what I think I heard was that it's a pro charge car. Is that correct? Pro charge. Yeah. So it's uh, it's got an F1X12 on it. Uh, the motor's done by Nats uh, out of Swansea, Mass. Uh, Mr. Conishell and Joe Conishell work over at Nats. Yep. They take care of me. They're at the track running competition eliminator, so they're always there looking out for me, running the valves, checking things because, uh, you know, I'm one of the fastest you know, cars out of that stable uh, at Nats. Sure. And uh, they're good friends of mine, and, and they're always checking on me. And, again, Henry does the transmission in that. And, uh, you know, it's nothing crazy. It's just a 540 big block with a little bit of magic inside, and then you bolt that thing on the front, and, you know, air goes in and, and happiness comes out. It's crazy. Man, uh, true words have never been said. Uh, so yeah, it seems like that pro charger, that those setups are just, uh, man, a lot of fun. And from your standpoint, then, um, have you 
how do you feel like because you, you're one of the unique guys I think in terms of you you've driven both the nitrous and the procharge cars you know on the same day even so from a tuning standpoint how do you feel about um, either version uh, nitrous and or the procharger like uh, in terms of tuning what what's the difference the major difference between tuning those two cars um, in good air in good air the, the procharger doesn't doesn't sway that much. But when you have, you know, crappier air, like more humidity, more water, more water drains like that, the, the prochargers tend to swing a little bit more. Um, so you'd have to tune to that. Where nitrous, you know, I've been running nitrous for 10 years. It's, it's a more consistent deal, but it's a lot more headache, you know, with the bottle temperatures and the purging and carrying the bottles. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, I want to say it's a little bit more consistent all around with the nitrous, especially in a door car. Um, you know, the dragster, I don't know, just works in a, the dragster works with a procharger. The door cars work with a procharger, but... You know, that opening in the front, you know, you have more susceptible to stuff going in there when you're on the return road or, you know, it's just, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's benefits and there's drawbacks for both. Um, I mean, I like both because I have, you know, the, the, um, the experience of doing both now and it's kind of nice, you know, it kind of breaks it up a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Well, I bet that keeps you on your toes, right? Because not only are you running two cars in classes that are, um, well, usually they break it up with comp in between. So, they, but I mean, they're pretty close back to back classes, but then different, you know, different procedures in both. How do, how, from a mental standpoint, how do you, how do you get your head right to make sure you're, you're doing the right things with either car? You know, I, I'm, I'm a door car guy at heart. I really am. I mean, a dragster's cool, but, uh, I don't think anybody could drive it, but it's, it's a lot more simple to drive. Uh, the door car is a lot more finesse and a lot more skill, but um, it's nice to, to be able to do both because I could see if you know if the track dropped sixty, uh, if it dropped a little bit in the sixty here or there, I can use that towards my my door car, which is up two rounds or two classes later. So it kind of mm. advantage is nice, but it's a lot of work. I mean, when you start going rounds, it, you know you're let's go to Coyote Lane's hot lap and stuff, and I'm like, guys, you understand? Like, you know, these things are these are not just you know the dot ninety classes. Not that I'm knocking those guys, but they can turn around a lot faster than we can than sure. the monsters that we're driving. Yeah, well, it, that's exactly right. I mean, there's there's a lot of work in between rounds uh, for these vehicles. Um, who all do you have helping you when you go to the track? Obviously, I mean, you're taking two monsters um, that are running at the top of those classes. That you, do you do that all by yourself, or do you have lots of help? No, I, uh, uh, what we do is my girlfriend, Carla goes with me and she's spot on with, uh, you know, getting me in the beams as far as, you know, back in the 57 up or the Nova up. And my brother's been coming a lot lately. He's been helping out, um, behind the scenes. I got my buddy, uh, I call him big Mike. He's, uh, from Connecticut. He helps him put motors and trannies and does stuff here at the, at the shop. And, and, uh, I got another guy, Mike Wassimer from Long Island. that helps once in a while. And my buddy, John Carroll, he took a year off you know, cause of the COVID stuff, but he's, uh, he's, uh, he's an asset to the team too. And, it's just you know I, I a lot of hands in the in the in the mix helping out you know they're not always maybe at the racetrack but they're they're helping some way uh, or another you know yeah that's that's great I mean and that's what it it is interesting to me when you know we really dig in it is a team you know obviously you're you're the front man you're the driver you're you get uh, the headlines uh, the you know the fast Freddie Perkins goes number one again but there is there is there's a lot behind the scenes right. Yeah, but I'm paying the bill, so I guess my name should be up there, right? <laughs> That's fair. That is absolutely fair. 
Yeah, that's you know, a, I'm writing a check, unfortunately. That that's a that's a great point. Um, well, talk to us a little bit about what it uh, what you do in order to pay those bills, because uh, we we talked a little bit off air, and, um, and I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, people are gonna laugh, but I did 20 years in prison, uh, but on the good side, <laughs> um, I, I retired 16 months ago. Uh, I was a correctional lieutenant for the Department of Correction in the state of Connecticut, and uh, so I've been retired for 16 months. I get a pension every month from the Health Insurance for Life. A lot of people uh, are envious of that, but you know they didn't do the time in to get it as well. Right. And then uh, before I started corrections, I started my own fire protection company, Fire Extinguisher Service, and uh, in 1998, July 13th, I started it. And uh, currently, we have three trucks on the road, and we're 23 years in business, and. Uh, it works pretty well. I, I, you know, I'm very fortunate to make uh, the decisions that are recession-proof and uh, enjoying the fruits of my labor, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so it, it does allow you to to um, set your own schedule, I guess, a little bit from that standpoint. I mean, uh, you know, owning a business is uh, good from that standpoint, but it, it never really ends either. Um, so what does that mean from a racing standpoint for you? Um, what, what does your schedule look from here on out now that you've You've only got one job now instead of two. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, I don't know how I did it before. People ask me all the time, how did you do it before? I have no clue. I know a lot of the long nights and, and uh, low amounts of sleep. But um, it's nice now because, you know, if we go to a racetrack that has you know, um, scarce parking, we can get there a little early and get set up at least, you know, and get a spot that's, that's conducive to the setup. Because, again, we have two cars, so that's the NHRA gives us two spots one and a half spots to make it work which is fine i just got to get there to get a spot um yeah travel i want to uh i want to do some i did a pdra race last two years ago and i did one this year and i kind of like their format so next year i want to chase a little bit of that pdra um because it's me i like the way that it's run you you qualify on friday and you eliminate on saturday and you're home on sunday it's kind of nice so you, you know you don't waste a lot of time but at the same token it's uh, their track prep is phenomenal and it's just fast. You know, it's it's real fast bragger racing, and I really, really had a good time doing it. So I want to try that next year. Get my hat in that. So yeah, we're we're hearing that a lot, and that makes a lot of sense. Give give Tyler and the crew um, a lot of credit for, like you said, having a great track prep, and then it's just it's just a bad fast cars over there too, right? You'll fit right in. Oh uh, yeah, they. They take they they take care. We do a divisional at uh, Virginia, which we're doing a double this year because they they skipped on Echo, and uh, I look forward to it. You know, it's one toe, but it's two races built into one. And, and let me tell you, uh, you know, Tommy and Julie uh, Judy Franklin and uh, Tyler, those guys got it going on. And you know, I've been my I made my fastest passes at Virginia. I mean, it's just a phenomenal facility. Um, like I said, I've been in the fives there. We qualified uh, two years ago. With six double O with a seven, I'll qualify uh, the Coughlins there. Uh, Mike Coughlin, good guy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know for for a, you know a low rent you know retiree, we did pretty well. It was pretty cool, you know. So they do, they got it going on, and I'm looking forward to the uh, the, the race there in uh, September because if they have a test on Wednesday, I might turn this thing up and see if I can go five eighty and uh, see if I can tip the clocks at two thirty five. We'll see. <laughs> Keep that. Keep that to yourself, man. Like you don't want to tip people off. No, that's gonna happen. They, no, yeah, they let you. Uh, I, I'm knocking the, the power out of this thing just to do this, the six ten rule. I understand why they're doing it, but it should be a little bit different. Um, it, it is what it is. You know, you got to follow. But it's starting to become a, almost an index class. You know, like an eight ninety. It's like everybody. You go to Gainesville. We're all going six ten, six eleven, six ten, six eleven. You know, so it's not like you know it used to be where you're six O's and six elevens. It's just different, you know. And uh, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Going that fast. But um, it's definitely uh, it's a little different than it used to be. That's for sure. No, I I agree with that. Um, I guess m- my question would be, 
what what do we change then? Like I, I know uh, your your sentiment that six ten is doesn't feel right to you is is out there, right? That's a pretty prevalent sentiment. Um, what's the alternative? What what do we do instead? I mean, you could do two different things. One, the top director class should be to still six zero to six ten is fine. If you go into fives, then listen, you get one warning. You do it again, then you're kicked out, and that's fine. At least you get a one warning. And I, you know, that's my thing. Or let's make the six ten pro tree heads up like a pro comp class, and make that a, an affiliate of uh, NHRA, just like the top sportsman, top dragster. Let's have a six ten pro comp class, and let's have at it. You know, with a pro tree, it'd be pretty cool. I, I cannot disagree with that at all. I'm a huge proponent of index classes in general with the pro tree, and that would be awesome. And it's not like there aren't a bunch of pro charge cars sitting around there that would be up for that. I think you may be onto something. Yeah, it would be cool because you know a lot of us can't afford to go top alcohol racing. You know, you you know you want to get a ride for a weekend. It's eight to ten thousand, which you know I can't swing that. But yet we have these cars that can qualify in the fives if they'd let us, but it, obviously they're not spec to that speed. So let's do a 610 heads up, you know, pro tree. That'd be pretty cool. And I think you'd, the fans would love it. I mean, nothing more than, than seeing some fast bracket racing uh, is, is just wild. I did a little pro comp in New Hampshire. Oh God, two years, three years ago, they have a, they have a 620 index. Okay. And a uh, little story is I, I brought the car up there and these guys, they're old school guys with their blowers and all that stuff. They're looking at my car like, what the hell are you going to do with this thing? You know, and they're like, you know, this is a 620 index. I said, yeah, I know it's a 620 index. They're like, you think you're going to be able to qualify? I said, I'm going to try like hell. Well, let me tell you, I, you know, quick, quick story. I, I qualified number one with a 613 and uh, I'm sorry, no, 623. And uh, I took all the way to the finals and then I broke the input shaft. So I, I would have won it pretty much easily. And these guys could not, they were, they were scratching their heads because they're old school blower guys and they had no right. clue what that pro charger could. That's, that's hysterical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That, that is great stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and then that's, you know, that's the whole thing, right? The blowers were the thing for a long, long time. There's cer- uh, certainly plenty of guys out there being very successful with them today, but, uh, with, with these pro chargers and the vortexes, I mean, it, there's a whole new world with this and then the turbos, you know, as well, those are pretty fascinating to me anyway. So, yeah, yeah. They, they all work, but if you, if you look at pro boost and PRA, what's, what's some of the fastest cars they are pro charged and yep. it's just, I hate to say, but it's the way of the future. And uh, pro charger, you got it going on. They really know what they're doing. Yeah. No, they're they've uh, well, they've messed up Promod, really, right? Because they were they were doing so oh, yeah. well. The NHRA had or had to you know kind of maneuver the rules around and all that stuff. And uh, and you know we saw it down in Orlando early in the year when um, you know West Buck and Drag Illustrated had their World Door Slammer, uh, you know series down there and uh, it was just all pro chargers right just pro chargers dominating yeah. everything. yeah that's that's where we're going to go in uh in march we're going to go to that instead of the baby gators because uh a buddy of mine went to that race and said it's it's absolutely amazing and i said you know what for it's not just for the for the money but it's just an experience and you know to watch you know those other classes just awesome so i said you know what we're going to go to that and uh, have a good time so we're gonna yeah do that next year. no it, it was it was a phenomenal event and and then, you know, I, like I said on the show, I said, listen, you got to go down there just because it's Florida in March. Like, uh, get away from the snow, too, right? I mean, that's that's what we do in well, Indiana. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I got a house in Daytona Beach. So, you know, from uh, from October to April, I'm down there, you know, at least once a week. I'm sorry, once a month or uh, for a week. And it's, it's kind of nice to get out of New England for a change. Smart. That's very smart. That's very smart, Freddie. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on, um, you know, 
good luck with the rest of the season for you. Um, what's next? What's next? Uh, Maple Grove, is that where you're going to go? Yeah, no, Maple Grove's this come a weekend, but uh, there's a chance to rain again, and I just decided, you know what, it can only claim eight races. I'm at four now, and I'm not going to go to Maple Grove. Uh, I'm going to uh, go to Yellow Bullet, which is uh, pretty cool. It's an oh, awesome race. Okay. Everybody's ever yep. seen that. That's, uh, you know, down at Cecil County, uh, Monty and uh, Jimmy Palsy put together an awesome event. We've been to that for the last, I don't know, eight years. And uh, I'm going to go to that, and then uh, the week after that, it's the Maple Grove National. I'll probably bring that hot rod missile tractor there and, uh, you know, hurt some feelings, hopefully, and qualify number one again there. And then um, take a week off, and then the double at Virginia I'm looking forward to because we're going to bring both hot rods there and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, – I think we're one round out of first place in the division, so we'll see where we're at. So that's uh, fantastic. All right, well, well, nicely done. Yeah, we we wish you well. Um, but, you know, in the next couple weeks here, go get them. And uh, and I appreciate your time here today, guys, girls. If you need them, that was fast, Freddie Perkins. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high-horsepower legal needs, you know exactly who to go to. That's dial-up Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, let's start in the middle of the country. Let's start in Brainerd, Minnesota for the zoo. Do we have a cute phrase that we can call the divisional you know like we call the gator nationals and we call it the baby gators do we have a baby zoo or a petting zoo i don't think that sounds quite right but that's what we're going to do we're going to start with the nhra division five divisional event Brainerd, minnesota it happens midweek we start with the divisional then we get to the national event and 21 cars showed up to race the divisional in top sportsman your number one qualifier Alan Firestone, he goes 666 with a 2 at 208. Uh, but your winner is J.J. Heber over Paul Pittman. J.J. is 009 in the final. Pittman is late, and J.J. Heber gets his third Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally, the first of this year, and the second final in a row. So nicely done, J.J. On the top dragster side, there were 26 cars. Your number one qualifier, Afton Swanson. She takes her Chevy Power Dragster 610 with a 1, 230 miles an hour. Hubby and Crew Chief Joe getting it done to claim the top spot. Nicely done, uh, those two. But your winner, and this is kind of how this thing played out all weekend for this dude, Holden Larice. Gets it done over Donna Patton in the final, holding with a nice reaction time advantage, and leads Donna through for the win light and the Wally. And he did not stop there. He was just getting started. So as the national event rolls around, he didn't have to didn't have to pack up anything, just left everything right where it was, and they started the national event. On the top sportsman side, there were 17 cars. Uh, Alan Firestone, once again, your number one qualifier. He goes 648.9 this time at 2 at 11. So he cranked it up a little bit. A little more NOS for you, getting that top spot. But your winner is Kurt Harshfield over Steve Yeager in the final. Harshfield with a reaction time advantage and runs dead on eight 
for his second career national event win light and Wally Parks trophy. On the top dragster side, there were 26 cars. Your number one qualifier was Holden Larice. So not enough to win the divisional. He says, let me go number one for the national event as well. 6, 12, 5 at 227 miles an hour gets it done for the pole position for Holden. And then he goes all the way to the final. Holden Larice looking to have a perfect week. Until he runs into Kendra Lawson. And Kendra was dead on eight in the final. Which would have been tough for Holden to get it done. But he goes red and stops what would have been a perfect week for him at Brainerd. So nicely done to Holden Larice. Everything but the second Wally right there. Um, Kendra Lawson gets the Wally instead. Good for her. Congrats. Um, Kirk Harshfield on the top sportsman side gets national event Wally as well. Moving on to the Division I event in New England Dragway. So we're going to go east for a minute. There were 33 cars in both sides of this event, which was nice to see. So there was a bump spot both on the top sportsman and the top dragster side. On the top dragster side, number one qualifier. You heard him here earlier. Fast Freddie Perkins. He goes 6.17.7 at 200 miles an hour to claim that top spot. And the bump then was Justin Mason. He goes 7.66 for the bump spot. Congrats to him. But your winner, stop me if you've heard this before, Nick Maloney gets the win over Bill Silva. Nick is 005 in the final round. That is an 11-thou advantage. Uh, on the reaction time for Nick, and that is way too much for him. Uh, he leads Bill Silva through and gets the win light and the Wally. So another win for Nick Maloney and just a nasty package. I mean, just nasty. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to announce a change in format for the Fast Brackets podcast. From now on, I will only tell you if Nick Maloney doesn't win. My man has been on an absolute tear this season, mostly on the PDRA side, but it just doesn't look like Nick can lose this year. He was in his top dragster this time, but he is running away with the PDRA Top Sportsman 32 class and is simply the best run in drag racing right now, outside of maybe a guy we're going to talk about later um, in another class, but Top sportsman, top dragster, Nick Maloney has been amazing this year. And I'm just going to change everything up. I'm only going to tell you if he doesn't win. If I, It's kind of like no news is good news. If I don't talk about it, Nick Maloney won. On the top sportsman side, then, your number one qualifier at New England was Dennis Garibald, and he's got an 07 Shelby Mustang that goes 628.5 at 224 miles an hour. Your bump spot was Nick Willard. Um, Nick is in an 07 Cobalt. No surprise there. I think that the Shelby is faster than the Cobalt, but congrats to both those guys getting in the field. Well, they got it all the way down to the final, and then the rain came in. So there was a rain delay, and they just could not finish the event. So they're going to push that final to the Virginia Divisional. And uh, Jeff Brooks in his Henry J. And then Frank Velope are going to 
uh, finish that thing up and decide who wins the New England Dragway final in Top Sportsman. All right, uh, the Midwest Drag Racing Series also got after it again after a, a fairly long layoff this year. Just stuff out of their control, but um, had some weather and things like that. But they got back at it. And to me, this is a kind of a fascinating thing that's going on with the Midwest Drag Racing Series. They have good events. They have good tracks. Uh, they are fairly well financed. You have a chance to be on TV, um, but they're just not getting the car. So this will be interesting to see how they how they weather the storm. It'll be interesting to see how they continue to fight because uh, they've got good classes and they run top sportsmen and top dragster for decent money. Um, there were 14 cars that showed up for top sportsmen. Your number one qualifier was Ed Thornton. Um, he goes 4.025 for the top spot at 197 miles an hour. But your winner is Mike Seacrest over Terry Pope. Seacrest with a slight reaction time advantage, 5 thou. Um, but he is one above one and leads Pope through for the win light and the cash. So, you know, um, Mike goes four rounds, wins three grand. It's a pretty good night for him. And uh, nicely done, Mike Seacrest, for winning top sportsman in the Midwest Drag Racing Series. On the top dragster side, there were 15 cars. Your number one qualifier, Anita Strasberg gets the buy first round she goes 373.6 at 197 miles an hour for the top spot but your winner is lee ramey over chris burrell ramey with a 20 thou reaction time advantage and never gave chris burrell the mathematical chance to get the win light so congrats to mike seacrest and lee ramey for winning top sportsman and top dragster in the midwest drag racing series all right, next week we're going to have a couple divisional races all kind of the week before the U.S. Nationals. Division three down in Bowling Green. That should be incredible. Division one in Maple Grove. And then Division six out in Yellowstone Drag Strip. I'm assuming you have to carry six, six shooters to uh, make it through there. I could be wrong. Um, also, you know, a couple other things coming up here that I'm kind of interested in in terms of races to watch out for first of all fti uh, came out with a top dragster in top sportsman shootout in october that will be interesting to see and then jp miller you heard him on the show previously his top dog top sportsman race in october as well he and we'll talk a little bit more about that but that is something that i think is uh something to keep an eye on he's going to run that in coordination with the Northeast Pro Mod Association. So much like a PDRA, much like, um, you know, any other deal where there's a, or the Midwest Pro or Drag Racing Series where they have Pro Mods and Top Sportsman, Top Dragster, uh, he's, he's kind of running it similar like that. So I think both those shows could be really good. We'll talk a little bit more about those later because they're October programs, uh, but uh We'll cover, of course, we're going to cover the divisional events in 1, 3, and 6 next week. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute here. And we got to talk about something that is kind of trending here, and I don't love it, but we talked about it just a little bit with 
Fast Freddy earlier, <clears throat> and we have to say, what is going on with NHRA Pro Mod? Um, there were seven NHRA Pro Mod cars that uh, went down the track in Brainerd, and that is not enough. That is a 16-car field. Um, seven is not going to do it. The Pro Mod arguably is the best show in drag racing, at least from a door slammer perspective, and they did not get the cars. And I understand that it is a haul to Minnesota. I understand that it is not necessarily in the mix from where a lot of these guys are based. It's a little bit of a trek up there, but Minnesota and the zoo does love their door cars. And to me, that was quite the shocker. And to stack that on top of what we just heard was that there are 50, count them, 5-0 NHRA legal pro mods registered or pre-registered for the Snowbird Nationals in Florida at Bradenton, December 2nd through 5th. And they got 50 pre-registered in one day. And they reached their limit, and that's a 32-car field. That seems to me like um, drastic differences. And I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if that means that people like would rather, I should say, race eighth mile instead of quarter mile. I don't know if that means that uh, they don't want to race NHRA. That seems doesn't seem quite right to me that way. Or if just that NHRA made their change to the Pro Charger system a little too quick and didn't give those guys enough time to make those changes for Minnesota and everybody goes, well, uh, we'll have time to make those changes for the Snowbird Nationals in Florida. I don't know exactly what uh, is all happening there, but I do know that that's not a good look. Seven cars in any professional class is not a good look. And for a promoter that, you know, an independent promoter to get 50 legal pro mods pre-registered in one day for an event later in the year uh, tells me that it's not the class, it's not the drivers, it's not the car owners that are having the problem. It is something how we set up the event in uh, Brainerd as being the problem. So I, you know, I don't know exactly what happened there, but uh, to me, that's something we need to look at because we're seeing the same thing on the PDRA side with the top sportsman and top dragster in just in terms of mass entries. Uh, PDRA does not have a problem getting two full fields. NHRA had two full fields at New England this past weekend. Outside of that, it's not happening all that often. The bump spots are not there. And that uh, signals an issue. And I don't know if you need to run screaming and, uh, you know, lighting your hair on fire, but it it's signaling something and something that needs to be addressed. I, of course, have certain thoughts on how to address those issues. Uh, nobody asked me, so that's fine. We'll just uh, keep, keep uh, chugging away here. But it does feel like there's something in the air and it's something to keep an eye on. If you have thoughts on exactly why that is, I'd love to hear them. The other thing that we have to address here in Out of the Groove is, you've heard him on the show before, Luke Bogaki. 
He runs This Is Bracket Racing and This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And my man, we know. He has a chance to go down as one of the greatest bracket racers of all time. But what he's doing in Supergas right now is unreal. Next to Nick Maloney's run, what Luke has done this year in Supergas is unbelievable. And he's already won the world championship in Supergas. So this is on stacked on top what he's already done in this class. But sitting right now... In mid-August, he has over 700 points in Supergas. No one has ever not won the world championship in Supergas if they collected 700 points. Luke has those 700 points before we get to Indy. It's unbelievable. My man is uh, just flat-out nasty. And what he says to do behind a race car, I would say you need to listen to him. Certain guys, you know, they are just, um, you know, a little bit of fluff. That is not what my man Luke does. And congrats to him for wrapping up a Super Gas World Championship in mid-August. Amazing. As we hit the mile per hour cone, let's address this. I did get some feedback. We talked about it a little earlier. Parker Theobald messaged me. He said, Rex, um, in reference to your commentary about what is the equivalent of the NHRA Field of Dreams, I think what he did was he nailed it. He said the March meet, the NHRA March meet is the NHRA's version of the Field of Dreams. And I think that was a good response. I think he might have nailed it. Of course, the March meet is in Bakersfield, California typically in March. It was actually in May this past year due to COVID and the Rona, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I've never been there. Um, so I had to dig into this just a little bit. And so it had slipped my mind. And thank you to Parker for jogging my memory. But what I did was do this. I said, once I got into it, um, of course, the NHRA has their hot rod heritage heritage series uh which of course would act like the field of dreams i mean in retrospect boy i missed that one big time um the nhra hot rod heritage series there are eight races in that series um mostly on the west coast so hopefully you'll forgive me for not being having that top of mind Um, two of those events are in sacramento Two of those events are in Bakersfield, one of which is the March meet. Two go to Boise, Idaho, which I've never been to. Uh, I'm not convinced I will be in Idaho anytime soon. Um, But uh, there is one in Bowling Green, Kentucky that I should have known about. And, of course, one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, they run the Nostalgia Funny Car, Nostalgia Top Fuel, a fuel nostalgia eliminator um and then nostalgia gas which is the 60s index classes nostalgia gas a is a 760 index b is 860 c is 960 d is 1060 is the way i understand it i don't know why they pick 60s um but uh maybe somebody out there like parker 
um, can help me out with that. Somebody who's been to the NHRA National Hot Rod Heritage Series could help me out why we picked 60. Or for that matter, why we picked 90 for the super classes. I don't get that at all. I think from a spectator standpoint, it would be make it much easier if it was um, a flat number. Uh, just from a scoreboard standpoint, it makes it a lot easier from a spectator standpoint to see quickly who won and who lost. Drag racers would adapt. But um, that being said, they do run the 60s. You know, what I do like is the fact that they're breaking it out old school, huge burnouts. Um, you know, they've got backup girls dressed up in the go-go boots, which is very nice. I, man, we should bring that back. For sure we should bring out the backup girls. That would help all of our causes. Um, you know, but all of that leads itself to saying, hey, what is the Field of Dreams version? Of course, Rex, it's the NHRA National Hot Rod Heritage Series. Um, so go check that out um, if if you want to see the old school cool stuff and you'd rather do that than go into a cornfield in Iowa. Oh, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 79. There it is. There's the wind light and Gloria. It's so good. Um, please let me know if you don't understand why we play Gloria. Let me know. I'll be happy to help you out with that one. But producer Chris getting nice once again. Thanks, dude. Um, hey, we had a great week this week. Um, a, we learned Rubbin is racing. Uh, B, we got down with the great latest and greatest race results. And C, we had fast Freddie Perkins on. He was awesome. My man is so good. And uh, what a fantastic name to go along with it. So fast Freddie uh, was awesome. Guys, girls, if you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, you know there are three ways to get at me. Um, you can hit the Facebook page using Messenger. Um, you can, you know, um, check me out in my getting fitted for the City Chevrolet racing jacket. Or you can also use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Hey, I hope you enjoyed it. Please keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Yes, uh, I'm getting ready to go to Indianapolis. That's where it's at uh, next week. Uh, looking forward to seeing how, uh, if we add video to this thing, uh, what that might look like. Even my man Cole Trickle knows that Indy is the place to be, Chris. 
Um, even the roundy round guys get it. So, I mean, of course you need to get your butt from God's country up to Indianapolis, the west side, and watch the greatest drag racing uh, of all time, of the planet, of the year. That's good. Uh, are you excited? I am very excited. I hope this uh, weather cools off a little bit. Don't want to see these tires melt on the track. It's It's been hot. It has been hot. That said, um, are you aware of just how much work you've got to do um, here in the next uh, 10 days or so? Because we're going to change the platform a little bit to do some video. Do you, are you aware of how much work you have to do? Um, I think you're just now making me aware of how much work I have to do. All right. Sounds exciting. <laughs> it is. It's going to be a lot of fun, Chris. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal. Deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks, complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.